Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Yesterday afternoon, I get in the car, I, uh, I turn on the radio, and there's Doug Elliott, the afternoon delight, and he's halfway through a uh, conversation or a discussion about live golf. And uh, at first I thought, the way it kind of sounded, I wasn't sure what was going on, but I thought, has has live golf already folded uh, did it run out of money? And I, I know that's probably not the case because it's Saudi money and there's endless streams of that. So, um, no, they haven't folded at all. They've probably gotten stronger and better because for some bizarre, strange reason out of nowhere, these two enemies, these sharks and jets who couldn't stand one another, are now in bed together. Right. It's bizarre, the PGA and live. Joining forces. Interesting that you use the Sharks reference because of, of course, being Greg Norman's right. nickname, and and he was the big proponent of the, of the top of uh, of live golf. And and what is perhaps most surprising is that all of this came as a surprise to PGA players. Mm. They had no idea about it. Um, many of them reacting on social media saying, "I I found out on Twitter," and upset. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, that they weren't told. They had no dis- stake in the decision process. And two, of course, because they defended the tour against Liv for almost two years now. Right. Um, and many of them defending the tour by not taking the massive amounts of money that Liv was offering it to go. We're talking hundreds of millions of dollars for players like Rory McIlroy and Colin Morikawa to to go and join Live. They were offered these amounts and said, "No, I'm sticking with the PGA Tour." Uh, there were lawsuits back and forth between the two tours, and perhaps mm-hmm. some of that is why this has ended up being like this. But the biggest crux to most of it is that players who took the money to go to Live uh, and play on a separate tour were not allowed to play in PGA Tour events and therefore gain world ranking points which would allow them to play in the majors. Those right. that were still playing in majors still had enough points uh, or exemptions to play in it. But as the further and longer this played out, mm-hmm. players like you know Dustin Johnson and Brooks Koepka and Patrick Reed, who'd, who'd been in majors and they're top of the game before, wouldn't be seen in majors because they'd run out of, of status to do so. Seems to me, and again, we don't know all the details. It'll uh, take a little time for this to all bleed out. Uh, but feels like the PGA has folded here. And I, and I really thought, for the longest time, I thought, okay, these some of these older golfers, if you watched the first season of Full Swing, it was really interesting to see what Rory thought versus somebody else who's getting on in their career and, and thinks, well, I'm just I'm going to go grab this for my family. My odds of winning majors are, are slowing down, so why not? And I thought, you know, this whole live thing kind of does feel... Like it's going to be the place for golfers in the fall of their career mm. to to go to. But now with this unfolding, I start to think, well, does this mean the PGA was looking to the future and thinking, you know, these up-and-coming soon-to-be golf stars are going to have to make a decision and their handlers will probably say to them, take the money and run. Why bother going to the PGA when you got to struggle and fight for every dime, when you can go to live and make a fortune out of the gate. Yeah, I guess the only downside to that or, or argument against it is if you're not an established player, why would live want you? 
right? Like, right, like, but they're but they're gonna know much like I think a like a, a first ranked hockey player going into the NHL. Yeah. People are gonna bid for you. They know you're an up and coming you know, top star. college players or U.S. amateur winners or whatever yeah. it may be. And it's interesting because Liv had limited fields. There were guys who joined it and were kicked out basically mm. because bigger names had joined um, and had given up their status. And, and and that's, I think, will be the crux of the complaint and argument for, for many of the PGA players is that these guys, you know, basically snubbed their noses mm-hmm. at you. And even after this announcement yesterday, the players who had left Liv, the Brooks Kepkes, the Phil Mickelsons, were still poking fun. Uh, you know they were they were taking their jabs at guys like Brandel Chambly from you know the the broadcaster who uh, was adamant against Liv and the Saudi you know money washing that this was sport mm-hmm. washing uh, and so you know I think it was Brooks Kepka who posted you know let's do a wellness check on Chambly right now it, just needling in there because these guys have had their cake and eat it too they yeah. keep to get to keep the hundreds of million dollars of that they took. To leave the PGA Tour and somehow still get to play as a part of Bizarre. it. And now this is all unfolding uh, in front of our eyes here in Toronto. And uh, Rob sent us a text saying that Bob Weeks was sitting beside Rory yesterday morning in Toronto when he found out of the merger off of a Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and Rory knew nothing. And if you watched Full Swing, Full Swing is doing a second season. They're filming right now. Yeah. And, and so they were filming this. It should be very interesting uh, you know, whenever this gets released in the next few months or six months or so, uh, what went down and how this all went down? Because apparently, the players-only meeting that was held with Commissioner Jane Monahan yesterday was heated. So does Monahan run the whole? I guess he must run the whole show without players' input or say. Obviously, Rory knowing nothing about this. I know that in other sports leagues, of course, you have teams, and with teams, you have ownership, and ownership has a stake in it. But I guess in this, the the players of the PGA don't really have a stake in any of it. They're just there because they've won rounds of golf and they've earned points. They're employees of the PGA Tour, basically, or they're members of the PGA Tour. But it doesn't sound like they have much in terms of the decision-making process. And and for Rory to find out on Twitter is because he has been one of the biggest, if not the biggest defender of the PGA Tour, outspoken defender of the PGA Tour, and having a lot of closed-door meetings with Jay Monahan and Tiger Woods being involved with They had a bit of a summit to talk about what was going to happen uh, with the PGA Tour and, and, and getting some of their uh, monies, uh, purses upped uh, and having kind of signature events where there would be higher purses to try and stop some of the other golfers leaving to go to live. Um, you know, I, I think one of the lessons that the PGA Tour may have learned from Liv is the fact that without a cut, um, it means that your your star players are still around on the weekend. And for TV ratings, mm-hmm. that that can mean something. The only problem is, I mean, if if Rory, like in the last major in the PGA, is, you know, at plus 10, he's not a factor on Saturday and Sunday, so he wouldn't be really be shown on TV anyway. Whether or not that's a draw for ticket sales or the PGA Tour needed that to be, I don't know. When it comes to the live golf stuff, it, you know, they they were putting on a show, but it was kind of more of a circus than it was a, a, a real golf tour. 
And it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. If I was Tiger, I'd be some upset. He could have taken $700 million, yeah. sat, played a couple of rounds of golf and live, waited out a year, and been right back into the PGA, whether he's got any golf left in him or, or at all. And that would have been the other thing. He could have taken the $700 million and said, eh, I'm retiring. Well, and Rory the same. like yeah. To the point, probably that was three, four hundred million dollars yeah. he turned down in personal stakes because he wanted the titles and and the history of the PGA Tour. That's what he was playing for. He said, "I've already made a lot of money, but you know, now to turn around and say, well, no, you could have had that four hundred million and still play for all of these.' You know, these guys got their cake and ate it too from the live tour side of things, and I'm not sure what the PGA's angle of it is. My faith in Young children has been redeemed. Wow. Well, for a minute, anyhow. Right. I still think most of them are just a completely annoying waste of space. But uh, yesterday we were uh, just sitting down to dinner and there was a knock at my door. I thought, oh, who's coming around and selling something? So I pop up and I look down the stairs and there's a, I can tell through the glass in the door, there's two young people standing there and I'm thinking, all right, they're going to. Try to hose me to cut my grass or something. Yeah. And then I thought, well, no, young kids don't do that. They just want me to give them money for doing nothing. Right. <laughs> uh, and so I open the door, and they go, oh, so sorry, uh, sir, but um, I was uh, running down the, the side of your fence, and my one crock flew off, and he was going on about something. Run, his crocs have run mode? I don't know. Uh, when they put the strap on at the back. They uh, they call that like kind of sport mode or something like that. Oh, okay, maybe I've lost my faith. Yeah. Anyhow, so he says I I I had my sport mode or something, and uh, and my crock flew over your fence. Um, would you better get it for me? So I said no, no problem. So uh, I went and I I said five bucks and they bought five. <laughs> and I went in the backyard and I found it and I brought it around and uh, I gave it to him. And I guess I was still kind of subtly chewing on food that was in my mouth. And he goes. Oh, did I interrupt your dinner? And I said, yeah, no, no problem. He goes, oh, I'm so sorry about that. Yeah. I went, oh, wow. And he was probably like 10, okay. 9. Polite. Yeah, polite little kid. Huh. And he threw eggs at my house. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mind if we come around and get it? Maybe go yeah. for a little swim? Do we have a dip? Anyhow. So that was good. At least the kid had knew his manners. That's so good. That was something anyhow. Yeah. Yeah, you always worry about that. You know, what's my kid like when I'm not around? Because I see him a lot, and uh, I don't know if they're capable of good behavior. Oh, I think they're <laughs> always really good uh, when they have to be. Yeah. But around mom and dad, there's no need. They know how to turn it on and when yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. There's no. There's no need. I'm sure your boys would be just as polite in public as these two were, even if they're just complete. Right. Not all are, though. Oh, no, no, no. There's a, we've seen. Especially when they get in groups. There's a lot of them that are just complete J-holes. But anyhow, this was a good little experience with the children. All right. Not that I'm joining the Boy Scouts anytime <laughs> soon. I'm not, I won't be gathering with children. I still don't trust them nor like them very much. But, uh, yeah, I was, and I was, you know, speaking like children as they're growing up. And as I've said, that, you know, I, uh. I've never been great with them, but uh, last night we were supposed to go to dinner with my eldest, at his eldest and his girlfriend's, and, and then our youngest, who's now back in the city, was going to come up and join us. Mm. And I thought, 
Well, that's a very adult thing. Right. The four of us will gather, the five of us, with uh, Daniel's girlfriend, and sit and sip some wine and have a nice meal. I like children when they're adults. Right. From, like, day one to about 27. <laughs> Once they hit about 27. <laughs> from 27 on. You starting to notice they're turning your corner? I, I like, from 27 on, I, I think I can deal with them. The 16th season premiere of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia happens tonight, 10 o'clock on FXX. That show, you know, for so many sitcoms, almost all sitcoms, they hit a wall and they start to go downhill fast. Many of them jump the shark mm. uh, because they've just ran out of storylines and things to do with the characters. But this damn show... Gets funnier every season. Oh, really? More evil, more vicious, more angry, more dark, but very, very, very funny. Uh, so it's back. If you've never seen it, start binging it. It's one of the all-time greats. Uh, Pete Davidson is not happy. Uh, PETA criticized him yesterday for buying a dog from a pet store instead of adopting. And Pete's not having it. He called PETA and left them a voicemail. Hi, my name's Pete Davidson. This message is for Daphna. Thank you so much for making comments publicly that I didn't adopt a dog. I just want to let you know I'm severely allergic to dogs, so I have to get a specific breed. I'm only not allergic to cavapoos and those type of dogs. And my mom's dog, who was two years old, died a week prior, and we're all so sad, so I had to get a specific dog. So why don't you do your research before you create news stories for people because you're a boring, tired <laughs> And this message. That's a long <laughs> leap. <laughs> uh, so PETA then went back at him saying there isn't any such thing as a hyperallergenic dog. They also say that Pete... Pete, uh, that Pete could have found that breed at an adoption site like PetFinder.com. Pete's walked back some of his comments, saying it was a poor choice of words. I shouldn't have said what I said, but I'm not sorry for standing up for myself and my family. He also accused Pete of uh, making a public example of him, making our grieving situation worse. And he's mad at the pet store for filming him without permission. Mm. I like this, though. He also added... Pete says that he and Colin Yost were high when they bought that Staten Island ferry boat, and they're still trying to figure out what to do with it. <laughs> He's got a new show coming out. It's out now. On yeah, show, on Showcase, and on and it's, like the the cast is incredible. Yeah, yeah. He got uh, he got what's his name out of retirement for it to play his grandfather from Goodfellas. Uh, I'm gonna make you laugh. You think I'm funny? Right. Him. What Pesci? Yeah. Not Ray Liotta. No, Joe Pesci. No, no kind of Yeah, dad. I know. Yeah, Joe Pesci. They got Pesci on Yeah. Yes, it's on Showcase. I do want to watch it. It's on my list of about 500 shows to watch. Well, here's something Arnold and I, Arnold Schwarzenegger, agree on. Um, he was uh, chatting with Danny DeVito, uh, I guess as part of his um, documentary on Netflix. And he said they were talking about death. You know, they're both getting older, so you start pondering that, I guess. They weren't talking about Twins 3 or triples. I guess that's off the table, right? right. Uh, he said that when you die, this is Arnold's opinion, when you die, you're six feet under. Anyone that tells you something else is an effing liar. 
He added that heaven is a fantasy and said, when people talk about, I'll see you again in heaven, it sounds so good. But the reality is that we won't see each other again after we're gone. That's the sad part. He says, I know some people feel comfortable with death, but I don't. Hmm. Well, Arnold knows all. <laughs> but all, Arnold also knocked up the housekeeper, so. <laughs> He's hoping there's no afterlife. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Going to the other side. Uh, it is amazing. Again, I was caught up in this Duggars family story and the, uh, the cult of uh, religion this church they were involved in, and just the horrific, horrific things that went on with children and especially girls. And, you know, and it just, it's an endless story. Cults and religion and everything in the name of God just ends bad. It's just horrific, this story of, and, and, and how people, and I think for for so many, just looking for an answer as to why things haven't gone their way mm-hmm. or why life isn't working out for them, they get roped into uh, to these things, these cults, these. And uh, you know, religion for for the things, and I think it's um, I know in my belief anyhow, the the things it did right, which are pretty minor, the amount of chaos. And lives ruined and wars started in the name of God. It's crazy when we, it, it, about a character that we cannot even really know is true. Yeah, but I, it, I think more than anything, it, it's it's more the human condition of of wanting to be a part of something and and yeah. a, a part of a group. And you know, while you look at it from the religious side of it, the same can be said of the internet. And that, you know, you have these groups that find each other. Yep. And, and, you know, it's often said, well, how did these two people find each other? And how did this group get formed of like-minded individuals with this in mind? And it's just the search for people thinking along the same lines as you. And the Internet's become a cesspool of it. Well, and I think think there's also this need in us to believe... That there's got to be more than this, just this. This can't be it. We we see ourselves as higher, better creatures, and so with that, we can't just go in the ground and turn to dirt. That that scares people to death. Mm-hmm. And and but and again, listen, I don't know anything. This is just my opinion. I could be totally wrong, but I don't believe we're any more important on this planet than a frog. I think we're all here to just keep rotating the life cycle. And there isn't a bigger plan, a bigger thing. But our brains, because we have a conscience and most animals and do not, outside of maybe the elephant, the greatest animal on the planet, we, we just we cannot let ourselves think that we're we're just here for a run of 60, 70, 80 years. Well, I mean, if we had done that, then there'd be a lot of advances that never happened, right? If everyone had the attitude, well, well let's just sit here and be... And, and that we're not striving for more. No, see, I disagree with that because I think we should, and I think many people do, make the most and the best of their time to leave this planet for the next group of people coming up behind us. That's why scientists do all the work they do. The people who think it's going to be better on the other side are the problem. Those are the people who don't want to leave anything for the next generation. Those those are the ones who don't care about the environment because they just think, well, I'm going to heaven and I'm going to be at God's side, so I'm leaving this anyhow. It'll all be good. No, I, I, I really believe that we... 
Religion was really put on our lap just to keep people in place. It was meant to keep women in place, and it was meant to tell children, if you do wrong, you're going to hell. It's always been just a thumb on us to keep us in our place. That's how the, the, the leaders of worlds have always ruled over their people, with fear of the afterlife, and if you screw up, you're, you're in trouble. And, and, and certainly that would be the case for committing crimes as well. If you commit murder, you're going to hell. Well, you know what? Chances are Charlie Manson's not in hell. He's just dead and rotting and being eaten by worms. I don't think we pay, but there's always that fear of the afterlife that you're going to pay for your, your sins here on earth. Right. Anyhow, that's just me. What do I know? Uh, Eva Mendez, a very lovely lady. Uh, claims she's a hairy beast. Oh. Yes, well, she's uh, Cuban. And right. She says she gets it from her dad. Has to shave even her face every other day. Really? Yeah. Well, a lot of women do have to deal with, with all of that. She's gone for all sorts of different treatments to get rid of it. She says, even when I get chills, I grow hair. Mm. She describes herself as a mama wolf. <laughs> <laughs> she should do a movie. <laughs> Eva Mendez as Mama Wolf. Bad behavior on planes is still happening more and more and more. There's one unruly passenger incident for every 568 flights worldwide last year. That's up from one in every 835 the year before. I did the math. That's 267 more incidents of people being J-holes on flights. That's a lot. Uh, I mean, when are you going to be on 500 flights? It's still relatively low. I, I'm surprised at how low that is, to be honest. All right. Five, 6.45. <laughs> Holy crap, really? <laughs> That's an insane amount of people being assholes. One in 563 flights? For, but for what? Like, when you think you're getting on a plane to go on a vacation or you've got business to get to, there's a reason you're getting on the flight. So the fact that uh, anybody would be a jerk, you've paid, one, to be there, or your company's paid for it. Uh, two, you're going somewhere you want to be. How can you be a jerk? Because people are spoiled by technology, and we have zero patience for anything. And so when we're told that a flight leaves at 8.15 in the morning and will arrive at 10.45, we expect it to be exactly that time. But that's not the problem. The problem is people being not doing as they're supposed to. They're smoking and vaping. They're yeah. refusing to keep their seatbelt yeah. on. Baggage issues, getting, of course, drunk, drinking booze they bought at duty-free. This isn't just the delay has upset me. Right. This is they get but, on the plane and they think they own it. But in general, yeah, people are absolute douches when it comes to this stuff. Like, they, they really could care less about others. The fact we, we pay zero attention or give zero uh, Fs about other people around us. And you see it on planes all the time. That's why I'm surprised it's not more instances of people, and I guess uh, the to make it into the point of a flight disruption because of a person is an extreme scenario. Mm. But in terms of people just generally being rude, there's so much more of it. I mean, uh, here's a perfect example. Like when it comes to air travel now, there are so many ways that you can make it easier and quicker on yourself. Avoid lines. There are apps that help you out at that. And they announce these things while you're on the flight. 
But people don't pay attention to it. They're not even listening. They could care less. Uh, fist fights happen a lot, even on the jetway or walking down the ramp to the plane. Uh, someone airdropped passengers' photos of a plane crash. That's nice. If you're wow. Taken yeah. Someone's emotional support dog wouldn't stop barking. Um Before I take off, a passenger removed an exit door and ran off with it. I'm not quite sure how that happens. <laughs> Anyhow, I've, I mean, in my time of flying, and I haven't flown a lot, but I did see one guy who was just being, you know, he was already drunk in the airport. And, and I think all alcohol or drugs, mostly alcohol, um, fuels a lot of people into stupidity. But I've never understood how you've planned a vacation, spent your hard-earned money on it, and then can't just agree to put on a seatbelt. Yeah. Yeah. And and whether it's the stress, you know, if they're not comfortable flying or whatever it may be. But, yeah. Take a set of the claustrophobia on there. The, the, there's people that just get completely unruly. Take a train. Yeah. And you don't necessarily hear about this stuff on other forms of transportation. Like, mm. when, I, when was the last time you heard of a fight on a train? Right. And right. you want to talk about a... Uh, transportation mode that's constantly late and delayed and yeah. behind and well, maybe just shorter trips. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, Who perhaps, knows? Perhaps. Yeah, it's uh, it's scary up there in the air, and I can only imagine what it must be like for the people who have to deal with it. Because you know, when you have an unruly customer, like in a restaurant, you're a waiter. You got them there for maybe an hour, but when you got an unruly passenger on a flight and you're dealing with them for five, six, seven hours. Right. And they must be able to just tell by, you know, the second they get on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> they like, oh, this guy's going to be an idiot. Yeah. Or, or and could it just be, too, because of how much we pay for these things now, we feel entitlement. Oh, probably. That we're, we deserve a certain level. Probably. And, and you're just cattle on there. You know, I think it might have been better when flights were so expensive and people couldn't afford them. You just got a better glass of glass people. <laughs> now you got everybody who used to just ride the Greyhound on a plane. <laughs> we must chat with the godfather of the grill for Holinda's Meats. It's Ted Reader. Good morning, Ted. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Lucky. Morning, Ted. How are you? Pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. I what was... a gorgeous day. Oh, wow. yeah. It's smoky. That should be right up your alley. It's like uh... right up my alley. It's like <laughs> nothing like a little bit of sweet smoke in the air. Yeah, we're all Everybody's complaining. crying. We're all complaining about the smoke, and yet we love to cook with it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm out there making smoke signals, having a good time. <laughs> it's like a, a strip club in 1975 out there. Um, <laughs> and you were in them. I, was, I think you were dancing. Uh, I was in my former life. I was a dancer. Um, but then my hips gave out. I was um, I was uh, craving cold cuts yesterday, Ted. I was actually craving prosciutto, and we ended up incorporating it into our dinner last night. And that got me to thinking about cold cuts and absolutely love them. And I don't know that we've ever talked about cold cuts. Do you have, Ted, a favorite cold cut? Oh, yeah. I, I You know, I, I like a good Black Forest ham, mm -hmm. okay. I have to say. Uh, ranks up there. Um I know at Helenda's they have a European style bologna. It's a, a veal based uh, bologna that's sliced oh so thin, makes an awesome, awesome grilled cheese sandwich. Mm. But really, I like all cold cuts. I love the head cheese, you know, uh, everything from salamis to prosciutto to, to you name it, I'll put it on a sandwich. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what about yeah. you, Lucky? You got a favorite cold cut? 
Uh, I, I, pastrami has always oh, yeah. been one that uh, sure. I, I've gone to. Yeah, a little, little flavor. Yep. Do you remember the old cold cuts that used to have the bits of olive and stuff in them? What the hell was that called? Uh, olive. <laughs> cold. Olive loaf. Olive, olive loaf. Yeah. Yeah. Olive yeah. loaf. Mac and cheese loaf. Yeah, you can't right? go wrong with a good cold cut. You go into a deli, get a nice deli sandwich. Oh, my gosh. It's thin. It's oh, heaven yeah. on a plate. When they shave it thin, pile it high. You know, a little bit of good sweet mustard on there, mm -hmm. or hot mustard. Mm -hmm. You're having a good time. Yeah, Certainly. I like, I, you know, one of my favorite sandwiches is the sub. I, yeah, I can't go wrong. And I'm on the search for a really good sub, sub. Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm not talking the, the big chain ones. I'm looking for something that's local, maybe something in Durham region. If anybody has any suggestions where I sure. can find a mighty tasty sub, I'd be into giving it a try. You ever get a sub bun at the uh, grocery store, take it home, build your own sandwich, as you said, piled high with cold cut, some mustard, mayonnaise, tomato, some pickles, some lettuce. It's just, it's just excellent. Now, and don't forget the sub sauce. Got to have the sub sauce. Got to have the sub sauce for sure. Now, this might be something. Sorry, go ahead, Lucky. Oh, I was just saying, you, uh, speaking of sauces, uh, Ted had posted up this yard bird sandwich. Yes. That he's got going on at the joint, and it's, it's an amazing chicken sandwich. But the sauce on there with, with some like caramelized uh, apple thing that you've got going on, Ted. Yeah, it's a sauce that, uh, it's a spiced caramel applesauce, and I actually make it in a retail form for the Big Apple out on the 401. Oh, okay. And so you can, it's, uh, I have two barbecue sauces that are in jars at the Big Apple, and one is a, a chipotle, smoky chipotle apple barbecue sauce, and the other is a spiced caramel applesauce. At the joint, I do, I make up a, a fresh version of that for us, and we base that on our chicken, and it's mighty fine. It's got, uh, Hard cider in it, brown sugar. It kind of, uh, it, it almost tastes like an apple pie or an apple crumble. Mm. With a little bit of chili and heat in there. Yeah, it's, mm. it's pretty tasty. We put that on our chicken. Um, yeah, love it. And we also put that on butter tarts with bacon and brie. Oh my gosh. Now what else is, what else is on that sandwich besides the chicken? Uh, we were putting some, uh, in, in that video I was doing some lettuce and some, uh, purple cabbage and, uh, bacon and brie cheese that finishes it off on some, uh, thick cut, uh, white bread that we do. Uh, really, really tasty on the, yeah. on the grill. Toast it up, get it crispy, and then build from there. Beautiful. You gotta yeah. like it. Yeah. You gotta yeah, like I a good sandwich. You know, sandwiches are, you know, if you can ruin a T-shirt eating a sandwich, you're pretty happy. That's right. That's right. Now you, know, also you can look down and go, hey, that was the mustard. <laughs> or, hey, that was the that. sauce. Yeah. Yeah. Tasty. Um, yeah, it was tasty. You also have the pizzas up at the joint. And here's something you might want to include or not, I would think. Uh, the Pizza Hut in Japan is now offering something called the Wiener Coffee Pizza. This is a uh, pizza with a coffee sauce and cream cheese and features a crust lined with wiener sausages. Also comes with a can of whipped cream to add on top of the pizza if you like. Now, I'm a guy who's pretty easy going with the pizza. The only thing I don't like on pizza is chicken, really. But I'll still choke it back because even bad pizza is usually good pizza. But I don't think I, I need... known to choke the chicken. <laughs> I don't even Many know. an occasion. I don't know if Man, you know, every conversation heads right down to wieners and choking chicken. All right. What else are we going to do with our... chest goes man? sideways here. <laughs> well, that's like, so the crust is basically like pigs in a blanket around yeah. the pizza. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I, I'd give it a shot. 
Well, you never know until you sure. try it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Try it once. It's like crazy people thinking that you can't put pineapple on a pizza. No, What's wrong with them? I mean, I, I like pineapple yeah. on a pizza. I, I'm neither here nor there, but I'll eat it. It's fine. Yeah, but if we soak that pineapple in rum and put it on the pizza, you're like getting yourself a straw. Soak it in the rum. I don't even want the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Teddy. How do people get a hold of you? They want to talk pizza, wieners, uh, cold cuts, or the joint in general. What's going on? How can they get a hold of you? You're going to find me in social media at Ted Grills or on TikTok, Godfather of the Grill, Ted Reader. Rock Mornings with, with Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.